0: It's Mother's Day, and uh, I couldn't uh, resist from telling you a story of uh, from the classroom of a teacher who had taught uh, her class the story uh, of the, the, the properties of the magnet. And the next day, she uh, put a little test of before the children of the properties of the magnet. And the first question was an easy one to get them going. <clears throat> and it said, "My full name has six letters." My first letter is M, I pick things up, what am I? To the teacher's great surprise when she got in the uh, responses, over half of the responses had the word mother rather than magnet, I pick things up, what am I? My mother's passed on now, but she taught me a lot of things, she taught me about humour, she used to tell me, if uh, if you fall off that skateboard, don't come running to me. She used to tell me about growing up, and she'd say that uh, if you don't eat your greens, you'll never grow up. So that, uh, that's why I was always, always very faithful in eating my greens. She taught me about genetics and said, "You're just like your father." And she taught me about anticipation, saying, "Wait." till your father gets home. And I heard that a number of times. And so that was um, how my mother taught me about life and uh have very fond memories. And it's a good day for us to remember and pass that on uh, to those who are with us who are mothers and also remember those mothers that we've had. So we're going to have a reading which, uh isn't related to Mothers. It's part of the 40 uh, Days series that we're doing, and the reading is from John uh, 21, and Jenny's going to read it to us.
1: Hear the Gospel of the Lord, uh, John chapter 21, verse, starting at verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish in it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God.
0: May the words of my mouth, meditation of our hearts, be acceptable to you, O Lord our Redeemer. Amen. (coughs) It's interesting to note that uh, this story is the story that John chooses to finish his gospel with. The gospel of John finishes with this story. It's quite interesting to look at the last chapter of each of the gospels to see what the others do. But John finishes with this story showing us that healing and restoration and feeding and being fishers of men and tending sheep is the future of the church and also the importance of healing and restoration to our church. I'm not talking about buildings, I'm talking about lives. A few years ago, a man, a madman, took a knife and slashed a seven-foot-wide hole in a, a Dutch masterpiece called The Night Watch in uh, the uh, Amsterdam Rijksmuseum. So, what did the museum do? Did they say, it's beyond repair. There's nothing we can do for this? Of course not. Of course not. In 2018, they began a process of restoration of that masterpiece. They say it will take years. To restore. Let me assure you this morning that you are worth much more than a precious work of art. God knows you. He has plans for your life. If you feel broken or torn, He wants to restore you. He is reaching out to you this morning. In John 21, the story that we've just had. Uh, we, we hear about Simon Peter's restoration, and what a wonderful story it is. Of course, uh, Peter wasn't uh, just a disciple. He was one of the, the, the inner circle of three, you could say. He was present at the tra- uh, transfiguration. He was, reading into the story, he was probably the closest physically to Jesus at the time of the Garden of Gethsemane. He was in the inner circle. And yet, he was known as a bit of a motormouth. He was prone to saying the wrong thing at the wrong times. And perhaps his lowest point uh, was the time when, the Thursday before Good Friday, he let himself down. He let Jesus down when he denied Jesus three times. Of course, Jesus had predicted that he would do that. Then he heard the cock crow three times, and he was broken with the reality that he had let Jesus down. And yet, a few weeks later, he was stood on the temple in Jerusalem, preaching at Pentecost. What had changed... He had met with the risen Jesus Christ, his healer and his restorer. And so as we look at this passage in John 21, there's three important lessons that I want us to try and take away with us today. One, that Jesus is present with us in our present struggles. Two, uh, that Jesus is, heals us from our past failings. And three, that Jesus reveals to us his future church. So, first of all, he is present with us in our present struggles. All of us face struggles and challenges in life. The good news is that Jesus is here with us in our struggles. In this passage in John 21, we read that the disciples, even though they were experienced fishermen, had caught nothing. And yet uh, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I'll read it to you, early in the morning, it's right at the start of the reading that Jenny gave to us, uh, early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore But the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus, and he called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did it, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. The key point is here that is that Jesus was right there wanting to help them. This story can be a picture of our own struggles in life, whether it's struggles through this pandemic that we have, struggles of lockdown, of not being able to see family or, or mix and mingle the way we want to, or our struggles with jobs, struggles with money, struggles with work, our, lockdown, our, um, our furlough. This story can be a picture of our situation, Life is difficult. But the message here is that we shouldn't battle on thinking that we can be stoic and we can make it through without knowing that the Lord is with us, present with us in our present struggles. And here Jesus demonstrates uh, that he has all the knowledge and power that we need to pass through our struggles. He knows more about fish Than the fishermen. He knows more about you and your struggles than you do. And He is alive and present and with us by His Holy Spirit, an ever present help at our time of trouble, we say in Psalm 46. There's never a situation that we will face where He is not there. Even if we don't recognize Him, the promise is that He is present with us in our present struggle what a wonderful picture we have at the end of that struggle with their fishing problem their struggle then became that they couldn't haul the the, the load in so abundant was god's provision for them but not only does jesus help us in our present struggles but he heals us in our past failure. I love barbecues. We had our first barbecue of the season uh, this just last week. Uh, I think I'd have a barbecue every day, well at least once a week if my wife would let me. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite things. Just I, I think it's a sociable thing. It's to getting around the fire and flipping fish and burgers and something lovely about standing round the coals and having a barbecue, and hopefully soon we'll get back into that. And this story has a story of barbecue and charcoal fire. And Jesus brings them round a charcoal fire and, and, and charcoals fish and takes some of their catch, and, and you can imagine how sociable it is there in that scene. There's only one other time in the New Testament that this word for charcoal fire is mentioned, and that is in John 18. The time when Peter stood round a charcoal fire and warmed himself as he denied Jesus three times. Isn't that strange? that Jesus brings him back to the place of his failing, bringing him back because he wants to heal him. He wants to restore him. He doesn't want to just move on and cast it as if it didn't matter. He brings him back to the scene. And he doesn't say, Peter, do you remember when you chickened out you let me down. He doesn't say, promise me, Peter, that you won't chicken out again. Because, of course, Peter would said, yes, Lord, I promise I won't chicken you out again. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus took him to the root of the problem, asking him the question that caused his downfall. The question was, Peter, do you love me more than these Taking it back to the time it, on the Thursday when we had, had the, the, the Last Supper picture. And Peter had said to Jesus, again with one of his, his motor mouth things, that even if all these people desert you, Lord, I will never do that. He was saying, I love you, Lord, more than these guys could ever do. He was Mr. Dependable. But actually what he was revealing is that he was self-sufficient. He was self-affirming. In fact, Peter loved himself more than he loved Jesus. And his pride was shining through. And that was his fall. And Jesus took him back to that situation uh, and asked him the question, Do you love me? three times. But to be fair, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Peter just chickened out. He, it wasn't as if he'd been caught in adultery. It wasn't as if he'd cheated in an exam. He hadn't robbed a bank. You know, if you think about it, it's not the end of the world what happened. And this is very important for us as we read this because we can all stand where Peter stands and say, I could be there and I have been there. I have denied the Lord. I have let him down. I have chickened out. So let us not think that this is something that is in a story in the holy book. This is also our story because all what Jesus is revealing to Peter, and what we need to learn is that all of sin involves us nudging the Lord out of the center of our lives and pushing ourselves back in to the center. All of sin. And Jesus is revealing to Peter and to us that he is falling short on the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments. It would be good for us to have it as a memory verse for all times, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That was the root of Peter's sinfulness. And in revealing to Peter that that's where his failing was, he was able to restore him. Notice that in the third time when Jesus asked him the question, do you love me, Peter was hurt. It says Peter was hurt. In our repentance, it has to hurt. When we face up to our failings, it has to hurt because we are hurting Jesus, and that is what hurts I love the fact that Jesus gave him a second chance. He is the Lord of the second chance. When I was a young lad uh, in my 20s, I had a thing about Ford Capri cars. I think I had three Ford Capri cars, one after the other. One would fall foul. And then I ended up getting the second last Ford Capri ever off the production line at Ford. My father was a Ford dealer and but uh, tractors rather than cars, but uh, he said that the, the production line is finishing Capris. I can get you one. Do you want it? I got the second last Ford Capri ever made. And it was my pride and joy. I was a youth worker then. I used to tell the kids that Jesus would have driven a Ford Capri it's a, it's a Jesus type of car. And uh, so it, I was one of those boy racer guys. But anyway, this is digressing slightly. But tragedy happened. I went out to my garage in Wakefield uh, one day. By this stage, I was a reverend, a minister. Was I? Yeah. And... Um, I found the garage was empty. My Capri had gone. And some crooks in Wakefield had taken my Capri. And would you believe it, that day in the church, it was a special commemorative day for the police force. And I said to one of the police officers who was in my church, uh, I needed your guys today because my car has been nicked. And he says, I'll get the boys onto it. My car was found that afternoon in some railway lines down in some fields in in Wakefield. It was wrecked, absolute wreck. They'd been running it uh, in in the fields, and the car was a total write-off. I didn't want it to be written off. I bought it back off the insurance company. That Capri became, for me, a picture of the second chance. And I sent it off, and I, I took the insurance money, and I got it restored, and I got the Capri back, and it was a picture for me of the second chance. And I love the fact that uh, Jesus gave Peter a second chance, and many second chances, and gives us all second chances. And today, if you feel pain or shame of past failure, I encourage you, I encourage you from this story to turn to the Lord in prayer. Read again this story, John 18, John 21. Read it again and let yourself run to the Lord and realize that he is the one who can restore you from past failures. You're far more precious than a Dutch masterpiece. He has plans for you. He wants to heal and restore you, not only from the damage done to us by others, but from the damage we, done, we do to ourselves by our own sinfulness. He doesn't just patch us up. He makes all things new. Thirdly, Jesus reveals to us his future church. The first thing Jesus said to Peter, we hear it in the Gospels, is follow me. The last thing Peter says to Jesus, we read it in this story, is follow me. So we're calling this sermon talk, Overcoming Failure, but it's not us that overcomes the failure. It's because The Lord is with us in those situations. We we overcome because he is with us and in us. As I said earlier, this is the last story in the Gospel of John. And as a church, uh, as we pray ourselves out out of uh, lockdown, it's important for us to receive guidance as to how the church should look. This church your church, wherever you may be listening and watching this, how the church will come out of this lockdown, how should we look? And I believe this, this story is a metaphor of the future church that the Lord was opening to the disciples there. Jesus was saying to the church, eat with me, like we do in Holy Communion. He was saying, run to me when you fail And fall. He was saying, uh, be people of mission, be fishers of men, fishers of people, tending sheep, feeding lambs. The future of the church should look like this. Not a church of good causes, not a church that enters into politics and tries to make itself look a bit like the world or a religious organization, but a church that is like the city on the hill that Jesus talked about in the the Sermon on the Mount. Not a suburb of, 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 of the city that is the world, but a city that they can look up to and see it looks different. I want to be in that city. Anglicans say the creed, Uh, each, virtually each week. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. What do we say after that? Shout out somebody. What comes after that? Anybody? I believe in the holy worldwide, holy Catholic Church. Do you know? I think it takes more faith to believe in the church these days than it does to believe in God, and that's a travesty of what we have become as church. The world, as it looks at the church, it doesn't see a city on a hill that it wants to be, uh, to run to and to 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 receive uh, feeding and nurture and and receive from. The church, some of the churches we see, I struggle to see if we could even call them holy. I'm being a little bit controversial. I believe in the holy church. We say it every week, and the church has become something that looks more like a worldly version of an organization. Of doing good and doing some political things. When Jesus teaches us in this story that we should be fishers of men, that was the first thing that he said to Peter when he said, follow me. That's mission. And then in this story, he said, when he asked him, uh, do you love me? The first thing he said is, feed my lambs. He didn't say feed my laborers. He didn't say, feed my lions. Feed my lambs, the young, the weak, the vulnerable. The second time he said, tend my sheep. The word used for tend there is the same word in the Greek for pastoring, to give pastoral care, spiritual, emotional, mental care and support pastoral care, tent my sheep, and all three times he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, when Jesus brings Peter back to being healed and restored. When Jesus refers to these people, they are his, these are people that he has ownership of, people that he cares about, and he wants us to reach out to them to tend and to feed and to care for. This is the church. It's a metaphor of fishing. It's a metaphor of, of tending and feeding sheep, mixed metaphors. If your mind has gone crazy with all the different pictures or metaphors, then well done to you for hanging in there. But I hope it inspires you to think again about how are we going to come out of this pandemic, out of this lockdown? Will we be a people of mission, a people of tending and caring for the, the weak and the young and the needy and pastoring people? That's the picture, I believe, gives uh, Jesus gives us for this church here, St. Paul's at Barton, a GAFCON uh, member. That's the picture that he gives us, I believe, to the church worldwide, not trying to look like the world, but to be a fellowship, a communion of people reaching out to others, tending and feeding. It's all part and parcel of what it means to follow Jesus. Shall we pray? Lord, I thank you for this challenge from your scriptures. Thank you that it is a living word. Open our hearts to hear again your word to us. Lord, we've sang in that beauty for brokenness. Give us compassion, we pray. Melt our cold hearts. Let tears fall like rain. Come, change our love from a spark to a flame. Amen.